to always get the latest Game Tea, do not forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. We post memes, gaming news, retweet friends of the pod, and of course, let you know when new episodes are available for your listening pleasure. Links are all available in the description of this episode, so check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. How are them mics? Do we have hot mics? Mike is hot. I do has a hot mic. So, would you guys <laughs> prefer to shit yourself in public once a year, every year, or every day in private every year? Hello, everyone. Mm. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Game Team Podcast. Okay, hold on. Wait, we do need to answer that question. Okay, so once a year in public or every day, but you're by yourself. Yes. Uh, once a year in public. Um, what's the consistency of this poop? Is it like... It, you have no idea. It depends on what you ate that day. <laughs> it's a gamble every time. <laughs> um, once in public. Because then I ruin a pair of pants, a pair of underwear, and my reputation, which is already in the toilet. Or if I pooped every day, I would ruin so many other things that I own. <laughs> I, I I was thinking once once in public as well. Yeah, you might go viral. No publicity <laughs> is bad publicity. <laughs> you see, I just don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> now see, that's pretty shitty. Ah, ah, I see what you did. This there. guy. This guy gets it. Hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. My name is JP. Uh, I'm Peaches. I'm Zach, who goes third for some reason. And I'm Zar. So, you know what I noticed about when I'm not on the podcast? You guys really like to use me as a scapegoat for fucking everything when I am not here to defend myself. Damn right. Well, well, hold on. I don't know what you're talking about, JP. You sound crazy right now. I blame JP for that. Anyway, what are we doing on the podcast today, guys? I, I feel I feel like I'm being <laughs> gaslit. <laughs> JP, I, JP, I, JP, I, don't use words. Hold hold on, hold on. Was that the automaton I heard? Yes, you, you just heard, you heard the automaton. What did I say about shenanigans? <laughs> Always and forever? Um, the opposite. <laughs> Zar, put that away. But but Rainbow Road gave it to me, and we didn't have shenanigans last week. There were so many no, shenanigans Tom and tomfoolery, hijinks, everything. You guys did everything without me. <laughs> you even said you had the whole family here except me, and proceeded to engage with some of the biggest set of hijinks I've ever seen. Have you ever thought that maybe JP would like some hijinks? Listen, there there were some shenanigans, there were some hijinks, there was some tomfoolery, maybe a little bit of nonsense, a, a few instances nonsense. a few instances of monkey business and <laughs> quite possibly some antics. But other than that, you missed out on nothing. I didn't realize how many words there were for just bullshitting. <laughs> I think monkey business was my favorite. <laughs> Can we stop monkeying around and get to our itinerary? Hey. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Zach, would you like to do itinerary for the day? What are we talking about? Today on the podcast, we are talking about shareholders unhappy with Microsoft acquisition. Member Amazon Luna. Member. You a member? I member. Oh, I member. Valve may bring Xbox Game Pass to Steam. Then quick takes, some tomfoolery for JP, and then game releases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want in on that tomfoolery and the monkey business <laughs> and the antics. <laughs> Wait, this first article goes to me. All right. Correct. This is coming to us from Winston Cho, who is a part of The Hollywood Reporter. So uh, TLDR for our listeners, Activision shareholders are suing to block the video game company's proposal 
of 68.7 billion sale to Microsoft, alleging the deal will primarily benefit Activision insiders to the detriment of ordinary investors. Oh, boo fucking who? You really consider Microsoft shareholders like average investors? Go fuck yourselves. Oh, no. these, it, are the, these, are the, these are the Activision shareholders that are unhappy, I believe. Oh, my bad. That Well, that's better. That, that makes everything better. Yeah, there we go. The Activision shareholders who have seen them drop steadily since I feel like every other month there was something negative about Blizzard. They weren't suing them then. Right. And had no and had no fucking problem with that until they were losing money. Well, they're not they're not losing money. Well, JP, clarify what you say. No, no, I get what you're saying. All right. So essentially what it sounds like is happening, right? Activision shareholders sue to block the $69 billion billion sale. And as you alluded to, the reason why is because in the long run, they feel like they wouldn't be making as much money, right? If this was owned by Microsoft. Oh, that's not why. Okay, then what's going on? Okay, uh, Zach, do you want to continue the article? I do. I only do because you, you seg me, segued me that way. So I'm, that's just what you to know. You're pushing me, Peaches. According to a pair of lawsuits filed on Thursday in California, the New York Federal Court, Activision's disclosures to the Securities and Exchange Commission detailing the transaction raises question of whether the company's board of directors have a conflict of interest, go figure, in securing the approval of the deal. It also claims that the filing, called a preliminary proxy statement, lacks crucial information to evaluate the sale. I'm just going to go ahead and farther more because there's only three bullet points. This is, this is the third. The shareholders say Activision insiders have a conflict of interest because they negotiated large portions of company stock, options, and other equity awards that become viable once the deal is approved. They similarly take issue with the golden parachute packages... Okay, this one sounds kind of nice, actually. For senior management that entitles 14.6 million payout to Kotick, 25.4 million payout to Chief Financial Officer Armin Zezra, and 29.1 million payout to Chief Operating Officer Daniel Allegra if they are terminated under certain circumstances. Okay, I like that last part, actually. That's kind of nice if they if they fix that part. Because why, why is it when they get fired, they get paid money? But when I get fired... I haven't been fired yet, but I imagine it wouldn't be very pleasant. But yeah, the repercussions of that happening certainly would not be $14.6 million. Yeah, so uh, basically the shareholders, they're unhappy with what's going to happen to the stock once the buyout happens, and they're unhappy with uh, the the golden parachutes for the people that work at Activision Blizzard. They're unhappy because other people are making money and they're not getting it. Exactly. And that's why I don't fucking... It's one of those situations, what's going on here, where there's nobody to root for, right? Like, that's what's going on. These fucking shareholders are just in it, obviously, for the money, and they're not upset with anything that's been going on with Activision Blizzard in the last year. They're upset that these three people are making tons of fucking money, and they're not. And therefore, I don't really feel like we have anybody to root for in what's going on here. I feel like strategically, too, like this was just like... I don't know, like, they could have, like, threw that in, like, the little minuscule thing, like, oh, yeah, in my stonks. And just started with, hey, why are these pieces of shit getting a nice payout when they are probably deserving to go to jail with some of the things that they've uh, gotten away with? Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, they, they will never go to jail, and the stockholders don't even care that they're not going to jail. They just care that they're getting big money, and they're not. This sounds like a typical problem that shareholders will complain about it absolutely is and i think the thing that's been like kind of pissing me off the most is like a part of this article um like what the shareholders have been using is like they're really attaching frat house culture to this entire situation which is understandable except that exact same culture definitely probably exists within these shareholders you know and it's just like they're using this opportunity to kind of dogpile on a company that's been under fire again just to get more money just to kind of get people angry when they're no fucking better it's just so much sleaziness all around you know but i'll tell you what i'll tell you what there is one really good thing about this article they chose the least attractive picture of bobby kotek they could find (laughs) (laughs) i Look, this man has like eight chins. He just 
He looks like he just got done with like a night of binge drinking and then ordered a fucking Bud Light for breakfast at a shitty restaurant. Look, this guy is a multi. This guy is a multi-millionaire. He's definitely drinking. I don't know, like some bougie beer. Stella Artois. <laughs> hey, I like Stella. Yeah, it's not. Oh not God, am I a shareholder? Uh oh. Did they get me? No, I'm not a shareholder. I'm way too poor. <laughs> Check my bank account and all eight of its dollarly gloriness, gloriousness. I don't even know what I'm saying. And tell me I'm a shareholder. I'm not. I think this guy shareholds. <laughs> this guy definitely shareholds. <laughs> now I've held before and I share my stuff. Does that make me a shareholder? Get him. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody fucking kill this guy. Get this clown. Oh, I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, long story short is um, rich people mad they ain't getting richer. And, you know, protect that bank. I'm on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like every week there's a new kind of addition to this whole Activision Microsoft thing. And we're going to cover every single one because, let's be honest, we are in way too fucking deep, right? Uh, like, I don't... I, and I honestly kind of like that because I don't know anybody else, any other podcaster, like big gaming website or podcaster, YouTube channel or whatever that's covering this as well as we are, in my opinion. I'm a little biased, but still. What do we have next on the docket? JP, I believe this one is for you. Member Luna, JP. Member. I am so glad I member. All right. So this article is coming to us from Game Industry Biz. Uh, from Ms. Danielle Partis. So thank you so much, Danielle. Amazon's game streaming service Luna has fully launched in the US following an invite-only early access period. The company has also unveiled new features on the platform, including free titles for Prime members and Twitch integration for streamers. Luna now has three new channels, which essentially serve as tiers that users can subscribe to on a monthly basis. So here's the thing. We've known for a while that Amazon Luna has been coming to like the gay market, right? And we've speculated on what exactly that means and how we think it's going to do. Because we've seen what has happened with Google, another huge tech giant, when they think it's gonna be really easy to get into the gaming industry, of course, talking about Stadia, and figuring out it's a lot fucking harder than they thought it was going to be. So the first time we covered the whole Amazon Luna news, I remember specifically alluding to the fact that Amazon's doing something that is essentially the same as what Stadia is doing, right? Stadia. Yeah, I know, right? But I, d I had some hopes here. Now, Peaches, I believe you have seen some sketchy things regarding the reviews on Amazon Luna. You were kind of alluding to that earlier before we started recording. What did you mean by that? Um, yeah, so the Amazon Luna, like when I, I'm almost certain that they're like paying people to review it well, which it's that's normal. It's to be expected. So like if you look like on Amazon, it has like a four out of five stars like review. But then like, I don't know, I I assumed it was going to be bad. So I specifically was like looking for someone that like just had anything bad to say about it. And I mean, like because when I saw this posted on reddit all of the comments were saying how bad luna was like how they you know they got one of like those like beta invites or whatever like they played it like a couple weeks before it was released and they were talking about how they were having frame rate issues how it was uh, like there was latency issues and like it was just laggy and that they would recommend right. it in its current state and so i was confused to see like all these positive reviews promoting it and uh tech radar also like you know did a big piece on it and essentially echoed the same sentiments that were in that the, uh, the comments on reddit saying that it's an interesting service that you know just has a lot of polish needed to be added to it i think like i can't imagine that luna isn't experiencing the same kind of issues that stadia did when it first launched right and those are in regards to first game streaming, which requires a ton of internet bandwidth that frankly, I don't think most people have. And on top of that, like laggy server issues and a few other issues with the implementation of the device itself. So is anybody here surprised that this is having any issue, that this is having issues? Shocking, absolutely shocked, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I am also, um, uh, I'm not shocked. I just, I just, 
I wish people would learn. Rich people. Ooh, and my dogs agree with me. Um, Holy crap, they are pissed off today. Right? Like, why are we wasting so much money and not actually learning from a problem that literally was just documented by the success and lack thereof on Stadia's part? Um, Cool thing is, just like Google, Amazon has limitless money, so they could fix this. Are they gonna? Probably not. Your turns are. I'm surprised that they find this surprising because, yeah, the Stadia is not doing great. Why would Amazon have any better luck doing the exact same thing? Especially when there's so many other video game platforms, consoles and other such areas that are so much more established. It just seems a little asinine to me that the Luna in the Stadia was even a thing. Right. Now, I remember when we were also talking about, like, this exact thing the last time Luna came up. We presented a lot more pessimism when it comes to the concept of game streaming. But I've also had this conversation with plenty of other people that think that game streaming might be the future of gaming if it's implemented well. And we've even seen other bigger gaming industries really try and get into this. For For example... Nintendo has plenty of games for the Switch right now that are streaming, right? Like you can stream uh, Control. I think you can do like the Kingdom Hearts series as like streaming through Switch. It's not actually on the Switch. It's all streaming. But to be fair, I have heard issues with all of those different games playing on the Switch as well. So I guess like where I'm coming from is I want to hear your guys' opinion on game streaming in general. Like, Do you think what Luna and Stadia are trying to do here will eventually work out? Or do you think we're kind of just beating a dead horse at this point? Peaches, let's start with you. Look, I don't think anybody wants to be the guy that like, you know, said, you you know, back in the day when people were saying like the Internet was first uh, invented, they were like, look, this Internet thing, it's just a fad. It's going to go away. You know, it's not going to be it's not going to be here to stay. It's just going to be a passing fad. No one wants to be that guy. But I do not hold high hopes for Amazon Luna. Do you think there's anything that they've done better in their launch than Stadia? Marketing, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Czar, you next. Uh, Same two questions. I'm going to have to agree with Peaches there. He said it pretty well. Um, They haven't really done much different or better than Stadia. I... It just seems like a mirror image, honestly, to me. Interesting stuff. Zach, what about you? What do you think? I think it's better um, because they have one of like they have the Prime Gaming channel, which gives Prime members access to a number of free games that'll change from month to month. I also think it's nice that there are a lot of people already have an Amazon Prime subscription. So, I mean, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. Um, but it, if your streaming service is still trash, like it doesn't matter. Right. So I think this definitely has a much better future than Stadia. I just think they need to fucking do it right. I think that's honestly the biggest waste of potential with Amazon Luna here too, is the fact that with Google Stadia, like sure, it links up to your Google account, but you are still going to have to sign up for several new services in order to make Stadia work properly, right? Luna's biggest and greatest, I guess the thing about it, is most people already have an Amazon Prime account, right? Which Amazon Gaming links directly to. So, like, they could have definitely marketed more on how hassle-free it is to, you know, get a game system that links straight up to an account you already own and play tons of different great games. But I heard barely any marketing that was talking about that fact. And I think it's because, like, the realms of people, the parents who have Google or not Google, the parents who have like Amazon Prime accounts versus kids that want to play these games or younger people who want to play these games, they weren't like the same audience, but I think there was a huge loss in marketing potential there. So I don't know. I I just don't know what to think anymore. There's a lot of people that are really putting their chips into the idea that game streaming is going to be like the next big thing. And I just don't see it. I really don't. Like, I don't know. It's just me. Does anybody disagree? Well, I, I I absolutely agree with you. I mean, look, if it if it happens well, it I could see it. 
there's so many other consoles that are doing this game streaming now. So again, why would we look to the Luna and Stadia for this specific game streaming? I guess because some people might think of it as more convenient, which to be fair is again, like a great way to market it. But like, Zach, have you ever actually tried any of Nintendo's like game streaming games like Control or Kingdom Hearts or anything like that? Zach? And these 10 seconds of silence brought to you by Zach taking care of his dogs. Who's talking shit? Uh, Zach, I was uh, I was going to ask you, Zach, have you actually tried any of the game streaming aspects of the Nintendo Switch? Like, have you tried to stream Control or Kingdom Hearts or anything like that? Um, I'm waiting for my uh, boss to invest into that for me. Um, so, no, I have not yet. Who's your boss? Uh, is it Krista? <laughs> is it Krista? <laughs> I mean, Yes. I was going to say, Krista has way more power over you than I do. I'm a wild card, bitches. I think maybe Luna can kind of still pull themselves up by their bootstraps and try and do something here. But mediocre launch, mediocre service. I'm done. Like, this isn't something like you can't just dive into this. And bullshit your way through it. Like, these are companies that make billions of dollars per year. And it's just like, did you really think you could just pop into here and steal like a little bit of the market share when like Nintendo, who's been around since like the dawn of the the dawn of dinosaurs, like has struggled with like the Wii U recently? I don't I just think they're stupid. I just think they're just being lazy and they're trying to get a, a, a quick grab when they could actually make something really cool, which is where I get frustrated because like the fact that the Xbox Series S can be as powerful as an Xbox Series X based off the Microsoft servers, that's really cool. Um, I don't know. I think that's where Xbox and Microsoft, just they have a really good lead and like I think they will be the ones to get streaming right unless, no, I just think they're the ones who are going to get it right. Um, because $15 a month plays so many games on Game Pass and like if you have like in a Series S and you want to play it with Series X graphics it's just a stream click away or something like that I don't know I, mm-hmm. that's it, or, and it's even on your phone too right like shit yeah it just it aggravates me that these rich people don't really research very much it's just like I know you got people that you pay for this like are you just not listening to them and just trying it anyway like Anyway, all right, thanks for, I'm getting off my soapbox, coming down. No, that's a really great point, actually, because, like, I don't want anyone to confuse the pessimism we have towards these services as us not wanting anyone new to enter the gaming industry, because that is 0% true. More big companies enter the gaming industry means that there's going to be more innovative ideas, right? More things we can play around with, maybe even more game developers. There's nothing negative about that. But the key there is it has to be a genuine want and attempt to enter the gaming industry. It's got to be genuine instead of like solely a cash grab. And let's like I know it's always a cash grab, but it can be a cash grab and at the same time be an innovative and exciting service. I just want to say I didn't sense. Oh, what's that, Peaches? I just want to interject here. I don't think big companies entering the gaming space is going to do anything great for gaming. Like big companies entering the gaming space is just going to get us like more ripoffs of Call of Duty and shit like that. I think like if you like genuine creativity and new ideas and stuff like that is always coming from these indie devs that, you know, just have a passion. See, I would have agreed with you for the most part. But if you think about like some of the latest and greatest in gaming tech, like VR, for example, you know, who's really spearheading like attempts to get VR off the ground is Facebook. And for the most part, they've been successful in doing so, right? Like Oculus Quest 2, with its price point, with its like accessibility and everything like that, it's the best VR headset we've ever seen. It really is. And it lets you play some fantastic VR games. And when I say that, I mean mostly Half-Life Alex, to be honest with you. But still... Does the quest play that Half-Life Alex? I thought the quest was like a whole separate thing. I mean, it can get in on some of the more major games. Like you can download Skyrim VR. You can download like some of the other VR games. But the point I'm trying to make is essentially VR is being pushed extremely hard, mostly by Facebook. 
right? And I know PlayStation has made some attempts at VR because obviously their VR PSVR 2 is about to drop and PSVR was actually it wasn't super successful but for what it was I liked it a lot but like in my opinion those weren't accessible and if you want a new type of gaming ex like technology to really take off it's got to be genuine and it's got to be like accessible so like I guess where I disagree with you pizzas is I think you can be a big company and make a genuine attempt to enter the gaming industry and even do some good for it. I guess like I was just trying to kind of play a little devil's advocate. I'm that kid in English class. I, I think if you're talking in terms of tech, big companies are going to be the only ones to do it because they're the only ones that have the capital to invest in like the technology to do that. But like, mm. I mean, like as far as actual games go, I don't I don't think that big companies are making any huge strides. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that was a really great conversation, though. I'm glad we had that. That was a good talk. <laughs> All right. But you know what? I'm done talking about Amazon. What do we have next on the docket? All right. So I'm not going to lie to you guys. This article is kind of clickbaity. So <laughs> this is coming to us from Video Games Chron uh, Chronicle, and it is by Andy Robinson. Valve says it is willing to help Microsoft bring PC Game Pass to Steam. And my response to that is... Game Pass wasn't already on here? Not on Steam. Interesting. It, you have to, if you're going to get the PC Game Pass, it's through the Microsoft Store. No, I knew that, but it's surprising to me that, like, there was no way to get Steam on the Steam Deck, which, come to think of it, I guess isn't that surprising, but still. Wait, what? Steam is on the Steam Deck? No, not Steam. I meant, like, on the Steam Deck. I thought you could get Game Pass on the Steam Deck, because I know technically this device is made by Steam, but it's basically a little computer. It runs on Linux. And yeah, I don't know. The more the more I talk, the more I feel stupid. So why don't you just... All right. So currently, Game Pass subscribers on PC need to use a Microsoft app in order to access their game library. But Valve CEO Gabe Newell... Newell? Newell? I don't know. Newell. Gabe has now indi indicated to PC Gamer that there's nothing blocking the subscription service coming to Steam. Newell also suggested that Valve would not be interested in launching its own Game Pass-style subscription service. And Microsoft's gaming CEO, Phil Spector, oh, excuse me, <coughs> Spencer, has previously <laughs> commented positively on Valve's Steam Deck handheld, uh, which became available to order on Friday. This is an old art, older article. And uh, Newell indicated that he'd uh, had conversations with the Xbox firm. We've talked to people there quite a bit about that topic, Google said. If your customers want it, then you should figure out how to make it happen. That's where we're all at. So, it's just a big tease saying, I don't know, maybe maybe we could make something happen to bring PC Game Pass to Steam, I don't know. Well, this is weird to me, because Xbox, Microsoft, they've been going around buying as many companies as they can, big name companies in the tech industry. And this is basically Steam being like, hey... You want to make a deal? Why haven't you looked at us? We're ready. Which is just weird to me because nobody's ever just kind of like announced that they want to work with Microsoft. It all just happens under the table and we find out about it months later. Well, that's the thing that's interesting here is like, I know Microsoft is obvious because they're Microsoft. They're always looking for integration, but Steam is notorious, aren't they? For just like, no, you're going to use Steam. It's going to be like that and you're going to like it, right? Like if if the Steam Deck actually did something to like integrate an easy way to access Xbox Game Pass, like it would be because the fans really want it and not because they're looking at this from like a deeper business strategy. Because for the most part, Steam has a monopoly on like PC gaming. That's why they're not interested in launching like an Xbox Game Pass style service. So, like, just, like, from what I know about Steam, they do not play well with others. So, as for, like, actual, like, integration with Xbox Game Pass, I don't think it's going to happen. I, it could happen. I'm not holding my breath. And, plus, like, I'm sure there's some way to get to Game Pass from your Steam tablet. You know? Well, like, like I mean, this, be some this, way. Is, this is referring kind of the Steam Deck and also to Steam in general. Okay, so it's not just about the Steam Deck. It's about, like, what does Steam want to do? Yeah, it's like, this. Like, if Steam brings, you know, the PC Game Pass to Steam, then you would obviously be able to access that from your Steam Deck or your computer. Right, that's so interesting. 
Um, but also, it's funny how this article said a lot without actually saying anything. Exactly. Well, that's that's what clickbait clickbait articles are for. It's is to make you read a long article, look at a bunch of ads, and not actually tell you anything. God damn it! What a time to be alive. <laughs> you are welcome. I mean, I have a fun little kind of tangent that goes with the Steam Deck conversation. If we if we don't have anything else to say about I fucking love tangents, only if it involves monkey business. Uh, monkey business. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, Nintendo DMCA'd a video on YouTube that showed how you could emulate Nintendo games on the Steam Deck, and it's kind of turning into one of those things where like. I didn't even think that's something that you could do until Nintendo decided to DMCA a video about it. They brought the attention to themselves. They brought the attention onto the thing that they were trying to avoid people doing. Yeah, they do that a lot. Why? Because emulation and pirating. What's to be gained? Nintendo hates emulation, right? Like, they they hate it. Yes. We've known that for decades. If, if they could put a stop to it 100%, they would spend infinite money doing so. Correct. Um, and so, you know, the, they DMCA a video that shows you how to do it on your Steam Deck. I think it was a few videos. Was it a few? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought there was like one super popular one. Yeah, but... And uh, so now, a lot more people are aware that this is something that you can do and they're going to be looking into it. Right. And it's like the emulator. Like, you can literally, like, emulate switches with that. It's pretty, pretty crazy. And I would be mad, too, about, like, protecting my, like, property because... 99% of the time, the people who are doing this probably haven't bought the game. Um, that's probably that's probably a little high. Probably 80%. I, I mean, I don't think we can really speculate at percentages of people who have bought the game and are trying to emulate it now. Because, like, look at, like, Pokemon. How many people emulating Pokemon have already bought Pokemon in the past and they just want to emulate the game that they used to play? Well, Pokemon you know? Platinum was the most emulated game, and they lost over, like, 2 million-plus sales on it. Um... I mean, did they, though? Because... Yeah. Yes, they did. Pokemon Platinum is a game that came out X amount of years ago. They don't... Like, they're not offering it through any online service, right? Like, you can't buy it on your 3DS. Okay, I see what you guys are saying, but this is, like, in context to, like, more stuff. If I need to go get the article, I can. But, like, it's not just, like, random, I guess. Like, if it was Earthbound, it'd be one thing. But, like, this was, like, the DS prime time when it was like getting pirated i i don't know i mean it's something that's happening all over the gaming industry i don't know if there's anything they'd even be able to really do about it although they're trying their fucking darndest but like i don't know we're going off on a tangent that has nothing to do with the article so why don't we just move on for now actually i think we're pretty much done so we can just kind of hit up the quick takes this is looking like it's gonna be a quick episode okay no you hold on right now we're gonna talk this through a little bit more <laughs> okay. By this is coming to us from SiliconAira.com. Uh, by their staff. Uh, when it comes to top twenty selling Nintendo DS games, Pokemon Platinum ranks number one as the most pirated game on that chart. But it's not the number. It's not the number one selling game. So statistically speaking, some people legitimately had to pirate Pokemon Platinum. Otherwise, it would have been much higher in the sales chart. Does that make sense? Yes, but here's my gripe. Nintendo is shutting down these emulation systems now, right? Where they have no way of making money off these old DS consoles or Pokemon Platinum at all anymore because they're not offering it at all, right? So mostly how people are getting these games besides emulation has been like selling them third party through these, you know, third party game stores like GameStop or like local game stores because they're the ones that sell what are these retro games and these retro pieces of equipment. Nintendo wasn't making money off of those things anymore anyway, at all. So why are they trying so hard to attack these people that are emulating the game and preserving it, right? And to that degree, do they really think they'll be able to stop it? Oh, okay. So I am again, mainly just playing devil's advocate here. I get what you're saying on a, like, but I feel like that's different than what I'm trying to say. And I feel like we're both kind of accurate on this. Sure. Nintendo most definitely needs to stop not doing a virtual console and hiding their games behind just history and like not selling it. Like I, I definitely think game preservation is suffering because of Nintendo. However, pirating games, I don't think is the way. And that's all I'm trying to say is, and that really affected games like Pokemon Platinum 
at the time, not now where they're not selling it. Right. Um, there was like the DS was notorious for like this R4 chip, which you could literally just download like 200 DS games to it. At the time, the DS was relevant and selling a ton. Um, in this article, they estimate that over 200 million yen was lost, or 103 million yen was lost. Um, I don't know the actual, or it actually just says 103 million dollars right there. Nice. Um, so that's a lot of money to not make. Is it Pokemon Company? Do they need the money? Probably not. Does that still suck? Yes. But I don't think that necessarily correlates with um, game preservation. How did we even get here? I, what does what that have to do with the articles? I don't even know how we got here. Steam Deck, pirating. We were talking about emulation. Or emulation, which usually leads to pirating. Not always. Um, and yeah, how it, 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 I don't know. I think you're right. Nintendo can't do much about it, is the thing. And they're adding more attention to it. You want to know what a great fucking solution would be? If Nintendo worked on a real virtual console with those games, which would be extremely easy to do, would stop all these problems that they think people are having. Like, I, 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 Nintendo is just the king, in my opinion, of making business decisions that make zero fucking sense most of the time. And at the same time, really trying to kind of like break down the people who are trying to like preserve these games when Nintendo's not doing it. Well, not and, and not that I'm defending Nintendo here, but I feel like they strictly take an all or none approach to a lot of these business deals that you mentioned, like securing IPs and shutting down emulations. They have to take that all or none approach to it. Otherwise, they have Pokemon murder come out onto the market and you have 10 year olds thinking that Pokemon company made a brutal gruesome Pokemon game and that just kind of translates to looking like a jerk out in the industry because you don't let anyone have any fun um it it sucks but I think it's uh just a reasonable business strategy that they're adhering to and I think you have to just consider like with the Steam Deck and how this kind of relates is the Nintendo Switch is still going very strong. Nintendo has gone on the record saying this console will be the longest lifespan, uh, like seven to 10 years. We're on year five, just started year five with the Nintendo Switch. And now you have um, this Yuzu emulator, which can lead to lots of pirating of Nintendo Switch games. So a lot of lost sales. Um, again, you could have the Robin Hood approach to it where you just think like, hey, this company has enough money. Um, but I definitely think they need to defend their property, but I don't know if emulation is something they can stop, um, sadly, because they're, they are losing a lot of money on this or they will potentially lose a lot of money on that. I think JP's main point with this though, is like the reason so many people are pirating or emulating this is because there's not an easier way to like do it a lot of the time. Like JP's point is that you could possibly get more sales and, you know, mend that need if you just put out a virtual console because a lot of these emulators are shit. They really are. You have to play Pokemon in like a really shitty and like un... Um, I don't know, like, I don't know how to word this. It, it doesn't look great and it's not super easy to play, but you do it because it's like the easiest way to play that Pokemon game currently. So if if Pokemon, like the Pokemon company, Nintendo and all that would just, you know, actually supply for that need, they could get these sales that they say that they're losing. Precisely. Which, again, I don't care that they're losing these sales because they're a giant company. And thus the Robin Hood approach. I'm going with Zach's approach, too, is like I understand the capitalistic approach that these companies are taking. But Peaches, you. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying It's like. If they're not the ones who are going to find a way to preserve their own games, and guess what? Even when they do preserve their own games, they do a shitty job of it sometimes, right? Like, like what happened with Ocarina of Time when they tried to put it on what is now technically their virtual console? It sucked. And even though some emulators that are made by, like, users are awful, some of them are actually really, really great. And so, like, I just think Nintendo needs to do a better job of upping that system and service if they want to preserve their own games and if they want that to be the primary way that people are playing them because that means they make more money 
they keep it in-house, right? Nobody's taking their property anymore. And frankly, I think most people would love to be able to play these games on a Nintendo console. In fact, I think most people would probably be really willing to spend the money on it again if they really had to. I know I would. Yeah, precisely. I probably would too. But they're not doing that. So for them to attack people who are seeking the alternatives is wrong. And that is the point that I am making. The point I'm making is I agreed with you, but I'm also saying that the Steam Deck literally with the emulation that was provided on the video tells you how to never buy a Nintendo Switch and get illegal access to a bunch of Nintendo Switch games, which is current market issues. That's nothing to do with their virtual console, which definitely needs to be fixed. It's just a bad move. All right, well, then that goes back to our original point, which when uh, we were talking about that, our point was more that they brought to light by doing that they brought this more to light than it would have seen like i had no idea this was a thing that was going on and then they dmca'd it and now a lot more people are aware of it which to be honest i'm very surprised that nintendo did like my microsoft has done stuff like this before right where microsoft actually got a kick out of seeing things like this at one point like seeing mods and stuff like they were enjoying it because they understood that that brought more attention to the game and that's positive. And, but Nintendo on the other hand, like I'm very surprised that they did this to be honest, but maybe it's because they're super confident in the Switch sales, which by the way, they should be because the Switch is selling like hotcakes. Um, I don't know, I don't work for Nintendo. I am just a commentator on a podcast. What do you boys say? Should we move on to some quick takes? I'm ready for quick takes. Let's go, let's do it. All right, Zara, this first one's about Halo. How about you take it? All right, we have a Halo Infinite update. Doom-style update, no co-op, will come later, no Forge, but the Forge is being tested, and the release is still later. This is coming straight from Halo Way- Halo Waypoint, written by 343 Industries, and they are addressing three main points with this update. Issues negatively impacting the player experience, complete season two and delivering as promised on May 3rd, and continuing work on campaign co-op, Forge, and season three. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I didn't play Halo for a long time before Infinite came out. The biggest reason people were upset is because there was no Forge, right? And the co-op was kind of shit. There, for wait, are we talking about Halo Infinite or are you talking about Halo 5? Infinite. Infinite. Oh, uh, well, I mean, there's no... The people are upset with Halo Infinite for a lot of reasons. Um, <clears throat> That's fair. <laughs> like, well, it's like they don't like the monetization. Um, they don't like that the uh, campaign didn't drop with co-op. Um, they don't like that Forge didn't release with the game. Um, I mean, those are the main things that people are upset about. Like this, and Oh, and there's also like there's not a lot of... There's not a huge array of maps in the multiplayer. There's really not. That was one of the things I was the most uh, disappointed with, to be honest with you. Well, it's like you could easily, you know, just take your old maps that everybody loved and put them into this, but they didn't. I mean, I don't want to bash on Halo Infinite too much in that regard because it was a damn fine game. Not to say it couldn't been, it could not have been better, but no, it's, I mean, it's good. Like it, yeah. it, it is good. It is a good game. Czar. <laughs> I mean, Zart, come on. With all of these things you're hearing about that's going to come in the March update, are you thinking about giving it another chance? <laughs> that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, but what does it mean? Uh, probably. I don't speak automaton. Probably not. I mean, I'll get into Halo eventually, but I've got so much else to play and... Infinite just has not interested me. I don't know what's going on here, man. You're blowing my mind. I I know. I never thought I would see the day where I was just so bleh from seeing Halo, new Halo. Uh, I still don't have the campaign, but I'm still hoping that when I get the campaign, it'll all turn around for me. Maybe. I don't. But even the multiplayer, I thought, has been a lot of fun. I've put at least 50 hours into the just multiplayer on top of like the 40 ish hours I put into the campaign. So uh, like it's not just that you don't like it. It's the fact that everybody else here who is not the Xbox guy has said that the game is outrageously good. And you're being the contrarian that blows my mind, which you're allowed to do. But I also don't like multiplayer, so it's not as unforeseen. I honestly don't either. I'm not a huge multiplayer guy. All right. Anything else you want to add to this, Zar? Uh, not particularly. Just, you know, 
quick fixes, bugs, fixes, and preparing for a new Halo season. All right. So I've got a quick take that I think is super interesting. This is coming to us from Destructoid.com. The Cuphead show certainly is not a wallop. So we talked a little bit on the podcast. This has been in the works for a while now. Cuphead, one of the coolest games that's ever been released, albeit rage-inducing, got its own show that came to Netflix. And a lot of people are giving it mixed reviews. Um, The main reason is because, like, one, the story involves, like, the adventures of Cuphead and Mugman that roughly relate to what happened in the game, but not really. And two, they're not too fond of the animation style, which is crazy because I feel like the animation style is actually really, really good. Um, But what people were expecting was the literal, like, they call it the golden era of animation, right? Where it was like uh, hand-drawn images for every image of a television show to give it that authentic feel. For a fucking cartoon that was coming to Netflix, to which I say, are you out of your goddamn mind? Nobody hand-draws animation anymore. Or are you... Yes, exactly. Are you fucking crazy? So... I've watched the first three episodes of the Cuphead show, and to address the animation first, I think it's very good. It's not exactly like the video game, but it's pretty darn close. It's reminiscent of animation from that era while using like contemporary animation techniques, which is what I thought they were going to do. I thought we were all on board with that, but people are complaining about the animation. And I think that's stupid because the show looks good itself. If you have any real complaints about the show, you could make it about the story because it's more about like, you know, kind of those one-off episodes where it's just a short little story about Cuphead, Mugman, and all the surrounding characters, which I could see like the disappointment and like you wanted to see more about like the bosses you see in the game come to the show, which they do, by the way, just not every single episode. And people are upset about that and like going and giving this like a six out of 10, which I don't know. I think people had their expectations set up way too high because even though it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be either for what the Cuphead show is, I think it's really good. And yeah, that's basically it. People complaining just for the sake of complaining. But we already knew that was a thing that was happening. Well, and I have to take into account you know, the Netflix transition from video game to show because Netflix has been huge on a roll with all of these video game shows and movies and they do them really well. There's a lot to each of these features that people like. Are they going to be exactly like the game and how you remember them? Probably not. But Netflix has been killing it with these shows. So give them a chance. Give them a chance. Give it a chance. Like, we gave a chance to the Sonic movie two years ago. And it was good. And now they're making a second one because of you. Look what you people have done. Yeah. Guys, I think the Sonic movie caused the coronavirus. That ha- Like, that timing is way too much of a coincidence, right? Oh, God. I'm just saying. Everyone's talking about the bat theory, the pangolin theory, the lab leak theory. No one is talking about the Sonic theory, and I'm sick of it. The second Sonic flossed in that movie was the second the coronavirus started, I swear to God. It just appeared out of nowhere. All right, so last up, we're talking a little bit about Elden Ring. Zach, what's going on with Elden Ring? Uh, So Elden Ring sold really, really well. This is coming to us from Dexerto, and they uh, commented that Bandai Namco spokesperson said uh, that basic salary will go up by an average of 50,000 yen per month, which um, 500 extra dollars every month, so... They're getting a raise for making a good game, you know, how it should be. And so just wanted to give some positivity. Some people can still do it right. Employer incentive. Precisely, as it should be. Because it's not just fire. I mean, Elden Ring has been selling like absolute crazy. Um, Besides the frame rate issues, which I think they are either they fixed or they're, they're in the process of fixing. Everybody has been stoked on the game, saying it's extremely fun. And yeah. Like, great job to the... Who's the studio again? From Software. Bandai Namco. Great job. From Soft. Yeah. Probably just published by Bandai Namco, but they killed it, man. Elden Ring is absolute fire. And with a game that generates this much fucking hype before it's released, right? It can either be sink or swim. 
and for Elden Ring to be praised so much means that they really did kill it. And with that, I think it is time to get into some game releases. Czar, would you like to take game releases this week? I can sure do that. Alright, on March 9th, we have RPG Time, The Legend of Right for the Xbox Series, Xbox One, PC, iOS, Android. On March 10th, we have Ashwalkers for the Switch. Aztec Forgotten Gods for the PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Chocobo Grand Prix for the Switch. Submerged Hidden Depths for the PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Workshop Simulator for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Young Souls is our final game on March 10th for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. On March 11th, we have one game coming out, WWE 2K22 for the PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. And our final game on March 15th, you've probably heard about this, Grand Theft Auto V for the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series. No, tell me more about Grand Theft Auto V. I've never heard of it. Well, you see, it's only been released for about a decade now. And it's come to everything except a smart fridge. <laughs> and it will continue to go to everything, including the smart fridge in the future. <laughs> Just wait next week. And Grand Theft Auto V coming to the Samsung smart fridge. Tired of waiting while you make your food? Play some GTA on your fridge. It's funny. It's becoming a running gag at this point that I kind of like it. <laughs> we've, we've circled around. We've come full circle to the point where I'm pissed off that GTA just... Rockstar's not working on anything new. But now it's funny again. We've come full circle. <laughs> and that's... Also, you know what I just realized after this episode, Czar? Along with the sound that you always put in for Stadia, now you need a Luna sound. Oh, yeah. That's going to be my cat, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember. All right, gentlemen, we have had a long episode today. I am ready to play some D&D here in a little while, so I think it's time to wrap up. What do you say? Let's go. I also need to kick Zar's ass in some more Yu-Gi-Oh! before we play. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Zar, what do you say? All right. You think you can handle the JP style? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Game Tea Podcast. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. You just got your game tea. Bye. Mwah. If you like what you heard today and you're looking for more ways to get your game tea fixed, check us out on Patreon. With bronze, silver, and gold tiers starting at $2 a month, there are several incredible rewards you can receive for supporting the show, such as a follow from us on Twitter, access to a monthly Q&A session, an invitation to our private Discord server, and even bonus episodes of the podcast only accessible to patrons. Your donations will be used to make the show even better. The link to Patreon is in the description with our social media, so go check it out. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Game Tea Podcast.